she called me on her from her cell phone. She called me at home that night and said, "It's cancer. Get to the office tomorrow morning." She called me on her from her cell phone. She called me at home that night and said, "It's cancer. Get to the office tomorrow morning. I've already set you up with like literally this one from her home did this for me. I have set you up with the oncology surgeon for Thursday. So I I had the test on a Monday. She results popped up on a Tuesday. She called me that Tuesday. I was in her office on Wednesday making this plan." right? Because of how aggressive my cancer was, right? Mm. Um, and then Thursday, I met with the oncology surgeon, who was also a wonderful woman. Mm. Mind you, now, because of how fast and aggressive the cancer came on, I made some decisions that I normally would not have made. I was already had already been vegan for years, um, had been a raw foodie at times. My doctors told me to not do raw foods anymore because of my neutropenia. Um, and so they wanted me to eat everything that was dead and like, you know, not just dead, but like dead time tens times over it. Right. So like nothing could even be medium cooked medium. It had to be like, well done, no fresh right. veggies, nothing like mm. that. Right. So I had started following that diet, right. Listening to my doctors, which was a problem. Mm. Come to find out with the cancer, I was like, okay, I knew it in my head, right? Because I have a spiritual guide. They talked to me. Um, and my spiritual guide said, you know what to do. You know what to do. Take care of your body in the, in the way that you know how to. Um, Dr. Sebi, um, which is a former Honduran doctor um, who um, is now deceased, no longer with us, put out a diet, an alkaline diet. Um, that I knew in my belief, if you have an, an alkaline environment in your body, you can't get disease because disease has no, nothing to hold on to, right? And nothing yeah, to burn. Yeah. However, because of how fast and aggressive the cancer was, I was scared and didn't know that I probably could have cured myself or healed myself much quicker and even before they threw me into surgery, right? Mm. And that's something I can get to later on or at a different time, whenever. Um, where the the problem comes right then and there was even based on the fact that my doctor loved me, that she had another woman doctor who came in who really was trying to have the, my best interest at heart. What they had been taught by their medical schools, by the medical complex, by all of it was completely against what I knew and what I should have done for myself. Right. Mm. Um, they just didn't know any better, but here's the thing. Our bodies are not meant to be cut on. Our bodies are not meant to have poison fed into them. Are there times where things like that, like are necessary? Yeah. If you've been in a gunshot, you know, you had a gunshot or you're at war or something, or something is eating away. Yes. You need to have pieces removed, but not everything requires surgery. Not everything mm. requires surgery. Um, but I have to remember, right, that I was speaking to an oncology surgeon. So that was her mindset, yeah. right? 
moving forward, they set me up with who they thought was going to be a wonderful reconstructive surgeon. And this is where the huge detriment comes in. A male mm. and a white male. And I say that for very, very necessary reasons, which I'm going to get to. So he came in, read my, read all the reports about my, you know, my cancer, um, examined my breasts, did all of that and thought that he could say we could remove a lot of the, so we were, I was, I was, I did a bilateral mastectomy, right? So I had both breasts removed, but you, when you have both breasts removed, you're still able to save your skin most of the time, right? And so mm -hmm. when they save the skin, they put in expanders, um, which is this artificial material um, that they put in, but they can put them in. And then what they do is they put in enough air or saline, right, to or fluid to pump them up to hold the space for your breast tissue for when they actually are going to put in implants, right? Mm -hmm. So he was like, okay, um, we can sit, save your um, areolas or areolas. We can do this. We can do that. And I'm all on board, right? Because I'm like, okay, I only had breast or cancer in one breast. It was a large lump. They did tell me that they could have taken away just a piece of it. But when I heard cancer, I was like, take it all. Take the girl. Right. I don't care, right? Get, yeah. get it out of me. Um, because we have a huge fear, again, against being sick in our, in our culture, in our society. We don't think about taking the time to get through a disease that we don't take a, the time about healing. We're just like, how fast can we eradicate it? How fast? Mm. We just don't want to do it. And sometimes it's about saving our lives. But a lot of times what I've learned is it's about how fast can I get you back to being productive, making money, right? Working for me, working towards sort of this American way or ideology, mm. right? Anyway, so going back to him. So he was, I was all about this man all about him because he was like he could make miracles right and make it pretty perfect well healthy isn't always pretty mm. and pretty is about ego and i knew that with this cancer that with the surgery that with chemo that with radiation i was going to lose a lot of who i had been mm. And that was scary. Mm. So I was clinging on to any hope of having any resemblance of myself pre-cancer diagnosis. Right. Which is why I followed this man probably the first month after the first surgery with like this God complex ideology, right? Because, and when I say the God complex ideology, it wasn't that I was considered him, you know, to be this higher power. He really believed or acted like he was a higher power, right? Um, after the initial surgery, they I had to have a second, after the first bilateral surgery, right? So when you have a bilateral mastectomy, what happens is, is you have the oncology surgeon who removes the cancer, but then you also have the reconstructive surgeon there who's going to try to do the pretty pieces, right? Got it. After the first emergence, after the first surgery, they realized that it had gone from grade three, which means it's the most abnormal looking of the cancers and stage one, which they thought, well, it's big, but we've caught it quickly to it went to grade three, stage three because of how far it had spread. 
So yeah. we had to do an emergency surgery where they went back in and removed all the lymph nodes um, out of my ventricaite. Um, Sorry, back to real life. The dog is dogging. Right? Um, where they had removed all the lymph nodes, all the area from underneath my left arm. Okay, so that happens. And then all of a sudden, my breasts are turning pink. I'm not feeling well. I don't feel like myself. And I'm in the hospital. And he tells me I don't have, or it's before I got to the hospital. I went to, went to see him and he said, oh, it's not, it's not an infection. You're completely fine. I said, but my breasts look pink. You know, I feel, they feel warm. You're completely fine. It's just your skin complexion. Hmm. I didn't buy it. Because even though I'm a brown woman, I have a yellow oranges undertone. I do not have a pink red undertone. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, so I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I went to the ER. They said, not only do we think that you have an infection, but you actually tested positive for being septic, which oh. is actually right. Which so when someone tells you, there's a lot of times that people will be septic or have a body infection but it actually won't register when they take the blood work or the other ways that they take the labs. Right. So yeah. for me to be in the ER and for it to register hadn't meant that this stuff had been there for a while. Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. Right. Um, that was the first time. The second time he still told me it's not, you're not infected. The hospital said you're septic. The third time and the third and final time, with him. I was at a different hospital. He, I had sent him pictures through my chart. He said, again, you're not septic. You're fine. He refused to come visit me in the hospital. I had a, had to have other doctors. Now, mind you, and these were other actually white doctors, white nurses, and one black social worker come in and look at me and say, oh my God, you are not only pink, but you're red. So wait, like, so hold so hold on. So you're in the hospital. Mm-hmm. The doctor doesn't think you're septic. He doesn't even think I have any sort of infection. Well, why exactly did he think you were in the hospital? Well, he told me, right? Um, well, it it just well, you have an infection, but you didn't appear to have an infection. So once so when I saw him in the office and when I sent him my chart pictures, because I just kept saying, like, inundating him with this information, like, okay, help me, help me, help me. What do I do? And he's like, you're fine. There's no infection. Finally, I'm like, okay, I'm going to ignore him and I'm going to go to the hospital. The hospital says you're septic. And then he's like, oh, well, you didn't appear to be septic. Right. Got it. You didn't. So it took me to call his office and say, you better get down here because. Mm. I am done and I'm going to figure out a way for you to understand. So this never happens to me or anybody else again. Yeah. That man walked into my hospital room, Philip looked at my breast and said, now mind you, they are blazing hot. They are blazing red. He said, "Hmm, they might be a little pinkish. That Uh was the, that was his exact words and the exact expression. "Hmm, They might be a little pinkish. From then it went to um, one of my expanders. He thought we had thought it had burst. He took it out, told me that um, it 
that that I was wrong, that it hadn't burst, that it wasn't leaking air. And the reason why he knew this was because in the middle of the surgery room, he threw it on the floor and actually jumped on it to make certain that it hadn't burst. Right. And then you tell me that not only did you jump on it, but then you reinserted this back into my body. I was just like, what? Yeah. He actually said that to me and then reinserted it back into my body. Um, there was another time that I was hospitalized and my expanders would flip and they kept, they would call. Now then none of them, the entire, his entire medical group, none of them came to visit me in the hospital. They said, we don't believe the doctor is there. They don't know what they're talking about. And I said, it's not the doctors. It's me. Mm. I'm telling you that my expanders have flipped. I'm in pain. The hospital let me go. I went to their office, to their private plastic surgery office in Centerville, Ohio. Let me just say that there, right? Um, my doctor wasn't there that day. His partner was who said, I don't believe the doctors. He said, oh, my God, you're right. Both of them did flip. I am so, yeah, he at least admitted that and said, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. right. He got one expander to flip back, but the other one, he couldn't flip back. I mean, he literally wrenched and he said to me, word for word, I know I'm killing you. If the pain gets to be too much, let me know. Right. Just he, he wow. could not get it. He couldn't get it. What the way that they fixed it now, mind you, also being a woman of color, they refuse to give me any pain medicines for any of this, right? Because we all have to be pain seeking or drug seeking or narcotic seeking, right? Mm. Um, but he did at least give me muscle relaxers, which I will say helped. So he gave me the muscle relaxers, and what that half did was it allowed the muscle to stop being so inflamed, it went down, and then when I went back to see the actual surgeon. I bent forward and then he was able to then then flip the expander back into place. Wow. But let me say there was never from him specifically, there was never an apology, there was never an amendments of anything. I went back to my friend, my lovely friend at the local hospital system. They got me through the last part of my chemo. They got me through radiation um, in a respectful manner. And I say respectful because it didn't heal me. It didn't save me. I ended up saving myself. Um, but the fact that they supported me was something I had not experienced from the local healthcare systems here around the Dayton, Ohio area. Mm. Um, at one point in time, they told me they sent me to palliative care. Um, if people who don't know what palliative care is, it's um, I call it outpatient hospice. Right. Okay. Like. Um, they give you what I call a death date instead of a birth date. They give you pretty much a death date. Um, but the difference, another difference between hospice and palliative care is that you still are trying to live, right? So with hospice, they only want to make you comfortable, right? Yeah. With palliative care, they want to make you comfortable, but they'll still, you're still taking treatments. Yeah. Um, so they put me in palliative care. I met with two physicians, one much better than the other. Um, but I got what I needed, which was a wake up call. And the wake up call was one of them looked at me and said, I looked at your file before you walked in here and I didn't know if you were going to have six days or six months to live, mm. depending upon what I read. Mm. Seeing you gives me hope. Wow. And so, right. Because I had a different presentation than what my records said. Right. But I've always been a positive person, don't let people walk on you, but still show them the love. And so that's what I've always tried to do. And this is something that he did for me that I wished Priya had done for me. His name was Dr. Ryan Nash. 
I'm still thinking six months and I need you to get your affairs in order. Mm. Now it's on you. And this was the difference. He said, but it's on you. You could have six months. You could have six years. You could have the rest of your life. But yeah. right now, according to your records, six months, get your affairs in order. Mm. That was what I wanted from my previous doctors. For a while, I did take some of the pain medicine just because radiation, like it started, it eats at your body. It's like a chemical, like they basically, radiation is what causes cancer, but radiation also kills cancer, which is kind of crazy, right? Mm. Or basically what they do is they kill the cells that held the cancer. Mm. My skin started to open up. Um, and yeah, it was like this whole huge open wound across my chest. Um, and so for a while, yeah, I took those narcotics because like the pain was incredulous and I didn't know any better. I, at the time I wasn't versed in traditional Chinese herbs, Ayurvedic medicine, you know, Afri old African ancient, you know, sort of traditions that we, you know, and even sort of, and even a lot of American herbs that we have on American soil that we could be using for pain cancer, mm. discomfort, all of it, right? I wasn't, I wasn't educated in that yet. Luckily, I had already been helping a dispensary open um, in, in Cincinnati. Um, so my partner, before he passed, would bring me Rick Simpson oil. Um, luckily, when he did pass, another wonderful woman who's from like the Yellow Springs, Dayton area, um, took up his, his, his uh, I'll call it his, uh, um, uh, his 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 train right and was bringing me Rick Simpson oil in large amount. Um, I started doing the Dr. CB Sebi diet right, so a complete alkaline diet right. Yeah. Um, did that started back on my meditation and my prayer and really put my faith into myself, the God within me and the universe, um, and did the darn thing. And at six months, I went back to have my PET scan. A PET scan <clears throat> is what they give you. Um, and it shows, it will highlight or light up in certain areas of your body. If there is cancer, mm -hmm. nothing lit up. Wow. Now, my, yeah. June, July, they tell me I've got six months to live. Cancer is throughout my body. I'm stage four, grade three. I'm getting ready to die. December, mm -hmm. I go back for my scheduled PET scan, which they told me I probably wasn't even going to make. Excuse me. I wasn't even going to make it for that appointment. I showed up for that appointment. What I forgot to tell you was I looked at Dr. Nash when he told me I had six months to live and I told him I don't have time to die. Mm. Those are my words that I will say them over. I ain't got time to die. I was raising kids, still raising kids. I hadn't stepped into my full purpose in this earth. I haven't advocated or healed enough people on this earth. I ain't got time to die. Mm. First person, all these years I had been healing and taking care of everybody else because I, I am an intuitive healer and have done you know things for people in the past. I had never done it for myself. Mm. I became selfish, which I needed to be for that time. Yeah. Being selfish, my research that my grandfather taught me to do when he was raising me, and my belief in a higher power is what saved my life. Because that December I went and they said, oh, my God, there is cancer nowhere in your body, wow. nowhere in your body. And they wanted to know. So even though they were all aware of what I had been doing all along with my holistic practices, they wanted to knew, know what I had done from then. And then they've started studying what mm. I had done. Yeah. Fast forward. 
the way that I'm even healthier now is I was still taking certain medicines. I was taking an anti-anxiety medicine that I had taken since my early 20s. And I was taking a um, GERD or acid reflux medicine that I had taken since um, my uh, gastric bypass um, in 2003. I went to see a naturopathic doctor here. I had seen one before, but this one was a little bit different. Um, I no longer see him, but um, I no longer need to because I just needed sort of like the confidence to step out on my own and trust my own gut and my own spirit guides talking to me. But I did a seeded fruit cleanse for eight days. I stopped all the medicines. Um, I went through about a month, month and a half of withdrawals of being angry and crazy. Like I even apologized to my boys in advance saying, mom is going to come off of this stuff and you're going to have not so great or healthy mom. I'm going to curse. I'm going to scream. I'm going to yell. And then I'm going to cry and I'm going to apologize and I'm going to make it up to you. Right. But I just need to prepare you for this. So if I'm saying, gosh, darn it, F this, blah, 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 blah. Why are you acting this way in one ear and out the other? Because you know, this is not the mom that Ray has raised you, right? Right. This is me coming off of all the dope that's been in my body for all these years. And that's exactly what happened. But let me tell you, in the last two months, since I have done that, since I've been doing the, the traditional Chinese mer- uh, herbs, since I've been doing the Ayurvedic herbs, since I've transformed my diet and dug into my research, um, I'm now going for my uh, degree in um, naturopathic doctorate. Uh, naturopathic doctorate is what I want to do now. Um, and I'm becoming certified in herbalism. So I can definitely, I've always been saving others and healing er- others, but now I need to be certified and licensed mm. to do it. Um, yeah. Let me tell you my energy. I'm getting ready to go back to work um, full time. And when I say full time, I'm not going to go ever work for somebody else because I'm not going to let somebody take my joy. But um, what I'm doing is I'm doing work for others. Right. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a full time position, ran my household and raised my kids in three years. Wow. At, at least I raised my boys from bed through cancer. Um, and that was not the greatest for them, but we did what we had to do. We got through it. And now um, I'm on the other side. And so are they. That is so wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So that's where I'm at now, but really it's been about um, research. And so that's also, and then learning how to work with my doctors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because my doctors weren't listening to me. And I, Something I really want people to know is that doctors are human, Mm. right? And we have to remember that. Doctors are human. So one, with being human, there's also a fear. Doctors don't like sick patients, right? And I know that sounds odd to hear, but... It sounds odd to hear because that's how they make money. But it's not odd to hear because if someone is sick, continues to be sick, that can feel like a failure to a doctor, right? It doesn't feel good. You don't want to meet someone who's sickly, right? You don't want to meet because it's a scary thing. One, you don't know what if that's something that can happen to you in the future, right? Yeah. Number two, 
you're so used to being healthy or wanting to be healthy that like you feel like these people are sick or diseased or having pity parties or they're to blame for their own you know health issues or whatever so they never want to look at how other things have contributed to that right mm. um but more importantly in their mind they're a success they got through law school they're getting through residency right they've treated patients they don't like the sickly that's one thing you have to remember second of all you also have to remember that they're taught from a socratic method right in 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 medical school which means you don't really look at the person you excuse me think about okay, what's the disease? What are the symptoms? Okay, the symptoms must be, okay, this disease. So it can be this disease or this disease. It has to be just those things, right? Um, if there's something rare that might be going on that's probably psychological or, right, it's outside of their, their spectrum or their realm. Um, but a lot of times, even as humans, they don't want to admit that they don't know something. Mm. Sometimes they don't know what they don't know, right? Yeah. Um, and then a lot of times, they want to try to fix it because they're competing with themselves, mm. right? Sort of like that thing of where we tell people, okay, if you don't get it the first time, keep try, try, try again. Well, unfortunately, as a therapist, as a physician, um, as an attorney, as in certain in certain professions, there is no try, try, try again. If yeah. you can't get it the first time or the second time, if you can't bring in somebody, right, to help guide you or navigate it, then you need to refer out. Right. Um, and so that's what I've learned. And I've also learned to pay attention to my doctors to see if they listen to me. Right. Mm -hmm. If they're listening, the first time I recognize that they're not listening to me, then I will do some things like say to them, what's the worst that can happen? Mm -hmm. Don't tell me what you think the symptoms are. Tell me or what you think the disease is. What's the worst possible thing with the symptoms? What's the worst or what's the rarest thing that you've heard of with something with regards to these symptoms? Mm. What that does is it'll tell you one of two things. One, if he laughs or she laughs it off, right? Or if they laugh it off, right? Or they tell you, don't worry about it. Then you know that that's not the doctor for you. Hmm. You need to find, you need to get a second opinion. Second of all, what should happen is that it stops them in their tracks, right? it stops in their tracks from going through like their, because think of it like a medical library card catalog in their head, right? They've got this card catalog that they've quickly run through of what they think the disease is, how to fix it or yeah. how to start it and then get you out of the, out of their room. Right. When you say what's the worst or what's the most rare thing that's been attributed to these symptoms before it makes them think and go back and access, right. What else they've learned that they may not be thinking of, that they may not see, because a lot of times doctors see the same things over and over and over again. And it's sort of like mm. that show brain games. If you ever see it, our brains, they automatically, right, want to categorize things for us or put things to make it easier, yeah. for us, right, to navigate our, our environment. I mean, that's, that's a basic survival, right? Like the brain automatically kind of characterizes things and lets us know, okay, is this safe? Is it not safe? Educated brains do the same thing. So hmm. that makes them stop in their tracks um, and really analyze what's going on. Um, I will tell you this, a secret that I've learned from my research is that when you go to the ER, the doctors are thinking about 
one thing or two things. Are they going to die in the next three days? How fast can I get them out to get the next person in? Mm. And and that's not that's not an opinion, right? And that's not a layperson opinion. That comes from me having read books. Um, one is called How Doctors Think, um, and all the books that I'm reading or that I'm talking um, in or quoting are by physicians who mm. are telling you about their own practices, where they've messed up, and where they've learned to succeed now, and how they've learned to succeed. Right. Mm. So this is not just an opinion. They are taught in an ER. Do you have three days? Are you going to die within three days? If you can die within three days, then yeah, you're getting hospitalized, right? Or they're going to continue to focus to focus on you. If they know they walk in and that you aren't going to die, in their opinion, in the next three days, you're out the door, mm. right? That's how wow. fast they can get you out. And that's unfortunately what happens because a lot of times when people are misdiagnosed um, or, or even unfortunately die within those three days, right? Because they have done this automatic checklist and didn't know to slow down or didn't realize that they should be taking the time out to further investigate. Mm, yeah. That woman did not lie. So those are the main mm. things. I got to OSU um, that I work with as far as trying to be an advocate for um, people within the healthcare system. Um, and of course, then there's other things that I try to advocate for, which is um, how to be your own physician. Um, mm. But yeah. You also have some, um, well, I'm so glad that you, you, you kind of like said, you know what, I'm, let me open up a book and figure it out. You know, because I think because you decided to do that and you decided to kind of dig deep and you decided, I think a lot of people will be, I'll put quote, saved, if you will, um, by that. Because it just takes somebody who went through that experience to help somebody else not have to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, that's so incredible. And I know that you have, um, some, some engagements coming up. You're going to be on DATV? Yes. Um, so in February, um, we are starting, well, we're actually already starting, a, it's called like a knowledge cipher, right? And it's with regards to healthcare. Um, and so I'm on, um, sort of like the advisory committee for it, but on the initial segment, um, we're going to be working about with healthcare, um, alternative healthcare, um, and how to heal yourself. Um, and so that we're, we're actually talking tonight, as a matter of fact, about what date we're going to be doing that on DATV. Um, I'm also right now um, uh, starting to open back up in a private practice and work with um, patients on, um, again, navigating the healthcare system. Um, but also, um, and this is so important, and I need to say this to get this off my chest for your viewers. Um, the research is so important or finding someone like myself who can either steer you in the right, right direction or help heal you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, because what they don't want you to know is that if you go to PubMed, all of these natural things, right. Um, the cure for AIDS, the cure for herpes, how to, um, cures for cancer in certain ways have actually been studied. Mm -hmm. Um, all of these, the, the Ayurvedic medicines, the traditional Chinese medicines, the naturopathic herbs that I have been using to heal myself, when I started, so I started downloading things so I can open up my private practice and start healing other people with the natural medicines, realized that all of these things, if you go to PubMed, there's lots. It's not like one or two journal articles on this stuff. There's thousands. 
This stuff wow. has been researched by the medical complex. They know what to do. They're just mm. not doing it. Um, so I encourage people, please, you know, and, and I know that I was blessed because I had grandparents that raised me and raised me to be educated and raised me to be a, a, a challenger, a co-conspirator, a questioner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people didn't have that same blessing that I had. So mm-hmm. it is my purpose on this earth to either teach people how to do that for themselves or to be that for those people, right? Um, because there's no reason why people are out here dying at the rates that they are. It's not saying that you can save everybody, but the rate is ridiculous. The rates are ridiculous as for what's happening. You know, like I walked in with cancer at stage four, grade three. I had people who were walking in before me or walking around the same time who had like stage one, maybe grade one, grade two, who died within a couple of months. Mm that I had developed close relationships with. And I kept saying to them, please try this, please try this. And of course they trusted their doctors. Sure. Um, And I will say two were white women. Um, One was a white man. And I am still to this day devastated by the loss of their life. And well, and actually recently I'm forgetting one, one was a black woman who died probably about six months ago um, who had, who literally on Facebook, someone had, sent her my information. She had reached out to me and I just said, I'm going to get with you. I'm going to do this overall. If you're ready, like if you're ready to make the change, cause that's the thing, it's hard. You have yeah. to be willing to put in the work, right? If you're yeah. willing to put in work, I'll work with you. Not even a month later. Cause she was still kind of thinking about it. Her mother or her, you know, I took it back. Her aunt found my phone number in her, in her phone and reached out to me to let me know that she had passed. Oh. It's, it's, it's horrific. Mm-hmm. It's horrific what we do to people. It's horrific what we allow to happen to each other. Um, and so it is my, the rest of my life's purpose on this earth is to help heal or help educate as many people as I can on what a beautiful life we can have if we take time to sit back and listen to our bodies and do the research for ourselves and learn to be analytical challenge thinkers and not just go with what is mainstream or what has been status quo. Absolutely. For I know that um, somebody either listening or watching um, can identify with that. And just the drive and the determination that you're showing, the hope um, and the spirit of it all. Uh, where can people find you to connect? Yes. Um, so definitely right now, um, I'm on Facebook under Heather M. Holland. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm on IG under intuitive confidential. And if you want the fun human side of me, not just like the, um, professional, you know, practitioner side, you can look me up at parent confidential on IG. Um, and I just, uh, got my website, um, which is www.theHollandPractice.com. Um, I, so right now I was able to uh, get the domain yesterday. The, the website isn't up just yet, but I'm working on it. So in the interim, you guys are welcome to find me there. Or, um, you know what, I'm always able to block people. So here's the thing. If you have an emergency or you need to get a hold of me, I don't mind sharing my phone number. Um, 
Philip, is that okay with you if I share it? That's fine. Okay. Um, so my phone number is area code 937-751-3265. The best way is to send me a text if you can. Um, if you call and I don't answer, just please leave me a voicemail. I am, I, I am old school that way. I will check my voicemails. Um, but that's probably the easiest thing. I would give you emails, but my email right now is just inundated. So yeah. those are probably the best and fastest ways that people can get a hold of me. Awesome. I'm so excited that you're getting your website up and running um, and you're having like a home base for you to be able to give your advice and help people. It's amazing to hear your story and the courage uh, that it takes to come out where you are and continue to move forward. A lot of people just need to hear and see that it's possible to say, hey, I think I'll make it too. So I appreciate you sharing yeah. that with us. Thank you. Of course. No, I'm blessed to be even to be able to be able to put my story out there. So thank you. Absolutely. Okay. So some off the cuff questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Um, let's see. Your favorite movie. Oh my. Okay. The Golden Child. I know it's, I said it quickly. Yes. But literally old, old Eddie Murphy movies, but particularly The Golden Child. I, I, I want the knife. <laughs> that is my joint. That is my joint. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. I have not thought of that movie in so long. I never ate oatmeal the same after that. Just to be clear. Just to be clear. Was, Thank you. And it you ruined you it for me. And you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, you shouldn't be eating oatmeal, but that's okay. That's another story. Okay. What is your favorite holiday and why? <gasps> oh my gosh. Okay. So it used to be Thanksgiving because I loved, and it, it was about just getting together with family, right? And everybody cooking. But, um, yeah, that, that's lost a lot of uh, oomph for me just because I've changed my food habits. And unfortunately, right, like family is wonderful, but sometimes family can be um, toxic, right? So now my favorite holiday is Halloween. I know that sounds cray. Ooh, ooh, ooh. But I like to dress up. But I will say, ooh, ooh, ooh. Or my birthday. My birthday is a holiday. When's your birthday? When's your birthday? My birthday is a holiday. March 4th. I'm a Pisces. March 4th. Yes. Ooh, in the middle of this. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, there let's see and okay this is the final question mm -hmm. if somebody asked you on a date to the cheesecake factory would you go <laughs> you know what oh i can't stand you for asking me this question would i go i would go just because they were asking me to would I want to eat at the Cheesecake Factory? No, and it's not because I'm too good for the Cheesecake Factory. Because here's the thing, it's an environment. I, I want to break bread with whomever, right? So I would go. Would I eat the food? But I can't go a lot of places and eat nowadays because my, my diet is insane. So, yeah. yeah. That was a good answer. That was a good answer. <laughs> Please ask me on a date, somebody. I will go. Shoot. Uh, so, and I even like walking dates. Right, like, or yes, walking date, right, or what I used to call so um, a walking date, right? So, well, this is actually when I used to drink too, but so we would go someplace, right, have a drink together, then go to another place, walk to another place, have an appetizer, go to another place, have dinner, oh. or you know, go to a place and have a dessert. But now it could be right, like you go to a place and you can have tea, and you go to a bookstore, and then you you know kind of hmm. go through the books together, right? And then you maybe go to a park, like. I like That's adventure. I'm, I'm about experiences, you know. Yeah. yeah. What a tour. That's like a whole tour. 
Oh yeah, that's me. But you know, what should I say? Those are the days I used to take people on, right? Because my thing is you teach people, right, how to treat you. So if yeah. I want you to treat me well, I'm going to treat you well. Yeah. And showing and showing that is kind of shows what you're interested in, because me thinking that I'm treating somebody right, maybe outside of that person's interest spectrum completely, you know. So. Yeah. Heather, thank you so much for being here and just being so inspirational. Yes. I love you. Thank you so much. I love your viewers. Thank you so much. Cause I know most of them. Well, I don't know most of them, but I know a lot of them are from the Yellow Springs area and go Antioch, go YS. <laughs> so that was Heather. What a tremendous um, display of courage. What a tremendous display of hope and um, so many wisdom nuggets. You always hear me talk about wisdom nuggets, but there's so much packed into this um, interview with Heather and I thank her for her transparency. Make sure you go to philippawork.com to find out how to connect with her and to ask any questions. We'll get her website up as soon as it is as it's ready. Soon as it's ready. Um, one of my takeaways today is don't be afraid to be inquisitive. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to step out and challenge. Be all right with that and surround yourself with some people that will tell you the truth, even if it's a hard one to hear. Make sure you check us out again, philipawork.com. This is The Philip Show and thank you so much for watching. And as usual, you are the best you in the world. I'll see you next time. Don't